Oak City Move is a podcast on 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people creating positive change in the triangle and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Monday from 5 to 7 p.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to our blog at blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. WKNC. That song you just heard was called Solar Pyromaniac by Spud Cannon. And before that, you heard Velvet for Sale by U.S. Girls. My name's Sarah. My name's Janae. And you're listening to Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. So today we have a special guest with us, uh, and I'm really blanking on your name right now. So would you mind telling us your name and what you do? Um, My name is Ashna. I am a senior at Enloe High School, and I work with an organization called Women NC. Um, They're a local nonprofit women's rights organization. And could you tell us a little bit, you gave us a definition of Women NC, what it is that you do there? So I'm on the event planning committee. So we have an annual gala, but we also have a lot more events than that. The um, annual gala just happened about two weeks back. Um, it was on March 8th, so international. Was it at Hunt Library? Yes, it was. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was there doing homework, and there were <laughs> lots of fancy-looking ladies there. <laughs> yes, um, I was there for six hours. Oh, it was wow. a very fun event, and the food was great. <laughs> <laughs> and so were the speakers. Um, but yeah. yeah. So. And if I'm correct, you are the first uh, youth member. Yeah, I'm the first high school student in Women NC. Um, I think... So when I was a junior, I emailed um, the head of the organization, Beth, and I sent her this long thing about how I was in high school and how much I loved women right, women's rights and all these different things. And it was kind of funny because I don't think they realized how young I was until I came into like one of the meetings. And basically all the women in the room were middle-aged and they were drinking mm-hmm. wine. We were in a <laughs> church basement. It was like a very, it, it was just, it was, it was really cute. And then... I was there. That's awesome. And I taught them how to use Snapchat. (laughs) The essentials. Um, So with you, how did your interest in human, sorry, not human rights, but like women's rights and then other like social justice movements, how did that start for you? Um, Well, I've always just loved people. And I also loved watching Indian movies when I was little. And um, a lot of them were very, the women in the movies are really powerful. And I think that was very inspiring. And then, my parents are both very, very empowered and have always pushed me to be a good person, I guess. So, um, And being the first youth member, yeah. what do you think being someone who's not 30, who um, can't drink wine in a church basement, <laughs> brings to it? Um, like well, you said, you taught them how to use Snapchat, but what else do you think that... Being- I brought water, but more than that, <laughs> I... I, um, I think that I, they didn't really engage youth advocates so much because it's hard to know how to engage a younger audience when you aren't really in touch with a younger audience. I mean, it's kind of funny, like a good school friend of mine, someone I've been, went there like elementary, middle and high school with, their mom works with the organization. And so I met them there. And so it's like, 
I was kind of their kid, I guess, in a way, took a lot of them. And so I introduced to them, like, social media. I helped them. I updated everyone's lingo. I told them ways that they could get people to come to the events. So I just made everything a little bit more um, accessible, I guess, in that sense. And have you seen a significant change yeah. in the organization from including social media engagement? Yeah. yeah, I think that before it was just an organization that was like well-known and respected, but it wasn't really out there. You don't really hear about Moon NC unless you go looking for it. And now it's it's everywhere. Like they have the ha- the hashtag competition that we started. And so after at the events, everyone takes pictures. And then if you use um, the Women NC hashtag, so it's like Women NC and then Women NC for CEDAW. Um, CEDAW is uh, the Cities for Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. It's a local ordinance that we're passing in Durham right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically when you use those hashtags, you can win a prize and so you see it all over social media and then more people get engaged and it's fun. Nice. And um, you mentioned CEDAW, but what are some of the other things that Women NC has worked on or is working on now? So every year we... Um, Well, the biggest thing that Women NC does is we um, get three to five fellows. So this year it was five, last year it was three. As the organization grows, we get more fellows. And so basically, there are college students in the RDU area. So Meredith College, we typically have a fellow from. We have one from UNC, one from Duke, one from State. This year we have three from Chapel Hill, actually, from UNC Chapel Hill. And then it's usually, it's the RDU area because that's where it's based. So it's a little bit easier to have fellows in the RDU area. Um, And so... That's what we do. And so we basically fund their research. And so all of these students spend about like six months researching an issue that they find important. This year we did a lot about wage discrimination and discrimination against women of color, namely in Durham, and the discrimination in renting houses in Durham for women of color and how much harder it is. And so that was a really big research topic. And then the fellows go to the UN and they talk about it there at the CSW. That's really cool. And so you talked a little bit about like some of the issues pertaining to women of color specifically in our area. Is the makeup of women in C more inclusive of different types of women or like what have you noticed I guess like over the time spent there? So I think that it's really diverse in every aspect except age really. And I guess like there's a lot of representation within women in C. I, I was nervous, I think, before I joined that I would join um, a more privileged organization, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I was really happy to find that all of the issues that Women in C cares about are very intersectional and inclusive. And so I was just looking at this a couple of days ago. Um, it was an article that Indie Week had written about that Durham is, like, making this council specifically yes. for women yes. yeah so yeah. would you mind telling people a little bit more about that because you seem like yeah. you're more educated yeah. about these things um so actually beth the um she's my mentor and she's also the head of women and C. she's the one that has been pushing for that to happen for a while and so basically in durham there's going to be a council that is made and comprised primarily like only of women and it's for women's issues because it's really hard um it's really hard for anyone except a woman to like understand like really like what the women's issues in Durham are like the women of color are facing like it's hard for someone to care beyond empathy if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah so 
Yeah, and so, like, looking at this article, again, for reference, it's, like, it's a mayor's council specifically for women, and then there's, like, a bunch of different women. Each one of them kind of focuses on a different sector aspect. So then there's, like, it's not, it's, like, two adds a different perspective to issues Mm -hmm. that people might not not necessarily see as women's issues. So, like, things like public safety or um, just, like, general civil rights and justice and stuff like that. So it's really cool to add the perspective of women, particularly, like, women of color and people and women of marginalized groups to the mix there was actually a statistic that they really broadcasted at the um gala um on the 8th i'm looking for it (laughs) it was it was really interesting for everyone yeah um it was so all the like a rent as women's issue for income equality so all women in north carolina the average um pay per dollar for like women against men is 86 cents Mm -hmm. but for black women in north carolina it's 64 cents and for latino women in north carolina it's 48 cents so yeah that's a significant yeah definitely a big difference so it's it's a lot more representative of women's issues in durham with the women's council which Mm -hmm. i think is important yeah and so i guess to the segues into another thing i had a question because like i I had heard of women in c before janae told me that you were coming but so i guess with women in c like is there because i guess like too like obviously with like a more national dialogue and stuff like that about what it means to be a woman i guess in in today's world so there's obviously you know like a big dialogue about trans women and things Mm -hmm. like that um so does women in c kind of have a separate space for that or is it you know kind of more i guess working towards like like i guess what is what is the role of like trans women or like gender non-conforming people within women in c i guess um there's actually Women in C is not comprised only of women. There's also like men in women okay. in C, so it's everyone. So like even like so trans women are in women, and like we have like it's not exclusive to anyone. If okay, that makes sense. That's cool. And what is um, something that you've been personally proudest of in your involvement in the organization? Um, so last year, uh, I spearheaded this really cool collaboration with my high school and women in C, and. Um, we did a friend. We did a friendship bracelet project, basically, and so these students at Enlo made around four hundred friendship bracelets, I believe, and then some were sold at the Women's March on DC last January, and then the rest were sold at the gala. And I think in the end, a large amount of money was raised from the friendship bracelets, and that went towards um, funding the passing of CEDAW in Durham, I believe. Okay, so that's awesome. Really cool. And so what made you choose specifically to do friendship bracelets over any other sort of project? I love friendship bracelets. <laughs> I make friendship bracelets in my free time. I was, okay, so in December last year, I was making sock puppets all the time. But one sock puppet took about two hours to make. And I realized that just wasn't plausible. And also people don't really want to buy sock puppets. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, I said, I like making friendship bracelets too. So we made friendship bracelets. Awesome. And so you said you sold them like in D.C. Yeah. So Beth was in D.C. with her daughter. Um, her daughter lives in D.C. And so she went out for the Women's March. And so she and her daughter sold the bracelets at the march. And they were the colors of like the Women in Sea colors. It was like a very cute. That's awesome. Yeah. And what are the Women in Sea colors? Like, um, purple. purple. So we did dark purple and light purple. Light Aww, purple. So different really shades. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And so what, I guess, because D.C. obviously like I think too, and like this was another question that relates back to something that you mentioned earlier about people 
um, like the fellowship going and presenting to the UN, yeah. which is obviously yeah. like an organization that's on a much bigger level, level than just yeah. North Carolina. So, a, like, what is the reception like from the research and stuff like that that you guys do just in North Carolina, like on this like bigger scale? Um, well, so I think people from every state go to the UN, mm-hmm. and it's for like the national CSW conference, and so I guess it just contributes to a bigger conversation about what needs to be addressed. Um, I know that last year it was a very intense UN. It was right after the election, and so it was like a more tense forum. And I believe that the people that typically, um, so from the White House, people are supposed to come and be represented like yeah. in New York. And I think that a secretary was sent from the White House instead yeah. of a typically person of like a higher caliber. So that was okay. a little bit upsetting yeah. to everyone. And also... So. Very representative, but um, yeah, yeah. But. So, um, I believe last year um, I was able to go to the gala. I wasn't able to go this year. Um, the research was relevant to prison abolition, and um, I'm, the other topics are escaping me. But um, like, have you seen since last year any um, expanding upon the research of previous years? Like, is it kind of ongoing, or is it more? I just think like every for year the time that you're a fellow. Every year. It's like a new fellow every, it's a new group of fellows every year, mm-hmm. but those fellows typically go on to do more research, just yeah. not as so limited as funded fellows. Yeah, the research lives on, but they don't stay as fellows every year because they want to give more people an opportunity with the funds. And you were talking about like prison abolition today, like what, I guess like specifically was the discussion about like in like relation to women and see like was like was it talking about like women in prison specifically or like what it was i think it was talking a lot about women in prisons and um like what women are in prison for and also access to things um this is like a personal tangent but um i know in prison as well as shelters there's a huge issue of um like menstrual products yeah so they talked a lot about um that in terms of just like accessibility of things that aren't considered as much as like maybe food or like basic care, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So like with the menstrual product like, again to go off on more of a personal tangent, I did research about it last semester for a class, mm-hmm. and in the paper we was kind of looking specifically at North Carolina, and like the the taxation rate of feminine hygiene products because they're taxed as a at, luxury like, as a luxury item. Yeah, which like love it. There's like different brackets of taxation. So some like items are tax exempt some items are like that are considered necessities are taxed less so like things like bread and milk and stuff like that um but with feminine hygiene products like they were taxed as luxury items and then too like you said um like specifically looking at north carolina like homeless shelters and um prisons were really lacking and like i guess too like this is obviously not like as credible as like real research but if watching a show like orange is the new black there is obviously like a lot of like TV drama and stuff like that, but like it does show a side, like a real side of prison for women and just like prison conditions in general. Because um, there was like a whole part where like you had to buy your tampons and pacifiers from commissary, like you weren't just given them. Yeah. So like, and just like generally, women or people that are in prison don't have a whole lot of money, and they're not making that much money while they're in prison doing the jobs that they're doing. Um, and just like yeah, like conditions in U.S. prisons are crazy. Like. Even, I know in the last season, Orange Black, I think they got in a little bit, too, of, like, the, just, like, talking about, like, the treatment of prisoners and stuff like that. And while, obviously, it is a TV show, I would really highly recommend looking at it 
like watching it, but like for like the because it kind of gives you it is like I, yeah, I would say it is very much an entrance for people who don't think about prisons yeah. or even aren't interested in social justice to start to understand like not only just like from the point of being like oh the plot of this is interesting, but like. It's a very accessible way to engage with an issue mm-hmm. you may know nothing about. Because too, um, like, there's like four seasons. So like, it starts not out not sponsored. Yeah, not sponsored. Like, it starts out like looking specifically just like at the characters and their like day to day stuff, um, and but then it like slowly from there progresses. Like it doesn't just start out looking at the condition person. Like it's kind of like a subplot line, like kind of a background yeah. thing. So it kind of eases your brain because you feel like empathy for these characters and you've like grown to really support them. But then by the fourth season, you're looking at it, and they kind of start this, like, yeah. prison riot slash coup type thing where they are demanding, like, certain rights from the warden of the prison and stuff like that. And that just kind of puts you in perspective to see, like, oh, wow, like, this is actually happening. Because there was, like, a riot in the prison at one point, and, like, uh, a, like um, they show that someone, like, one of the prisoners is killed, but, like, not... Like as like not because she yeah. did anything wrong, but just like because of like police brutality in the prison. To segue away from yes. um, spoiling and like Ruining. um attempting not to advertise uh, Orange <laughs> Is the New Black, let's focus on a similar topic of the power of storytelling and activism. Ashna, I believe you gave a speech at Women in C. What has it been like to be able to um, share your specific voice in terms of? organization so, <laughs> i was horrible at public speaking i i still get really nervous but i think that there's something really empowering about telling your story in front of a room full of people and then them not booing and clapping that was definitely <laughs> that was definitely positive i'd say for my self-esteem um no but i think the fact that they gave me time to speak about myself like to the event was meant, it's, it's like, it's, it was, they call it the local to global forum. And so it's meant to be a very big picture. And the fact that they gave, like me, a high schooler, a mic to speak for like three minutes about my own experiences was very empowering, I'd say. I felt like my story was very important. And so what was your speech about, like, specifically? So I was speaking about the friendship bracelets oh, and the okay. whole journey. And it was like how my sister and I used to make them when we were little and the whole... Mm-hmm story of how they evolved into something much bigger and how I think before Eminency my feminism was a lot smaller than it is now I didn't really understand like before not to undermine issues like the dress code my like my feminism was the dress code is so wrong I'm I'm mad (laughs) Um, and then it became yeah yeah and then it became a lot bigger there were so many issues that I didn't even know about and it's really interesting to see how that grew and I, I, I made a really cute little analogy about how when my friendship bracelets went from, like, being on my wrist to, like, a bunch of people's wrists, Aww, like, my feminism so grew, too. And it was it was a nice little story. I think definitely, <laughs> like, that adds, like, the like to, like, right now, especially, like, after the shooting in Florida, like, yeah. all these high school students yeah. are kind of rising up. And it's like you and said, like, works. oh, like, oh, I'm just a high school student, and they're giving me this platform. Yeah. And it's really cool now to see young people just kind of taking that space yeah. for themselves and people like listening to them and valuing yeah, their voices for sure because i definitely did not think that i would be talking about feminism like so much and like mm-hmm. be this involved in my like, you know because when i was like a freshman and a sophomore in high school my feminism was like 
girls rock and on International Women's Day I'm going to post a picture with my friends and <laughs> caption it happy International Women's Day and then it became something a lot more real and it was really gratifying because I know that when I did like volunteer work like helping with like a 5k I was like yeah I volunteered I want to go home and nap but <laughs> w- when I worked with women and see I just got more energized every yeah. time I did an event and every time I did something it was really really great like probably one of the most like life-changing experiences for me in high school and to me i think it's really cool that like like in past generations and even like with our like two or three year age difference people like it's been taking people like usually in the past like much longer to come to that realization of like oh like it's not just about me or like for kind of getting that bigger like three-dimensional it's really interesting to see how much more focused on social media like someone just like i i've been friends with janae since i was a sophomore and I mean, like her class, I remember like they never really used Instagram as much as like, you know, my class mm-hmm. did, but every single thing we do, it's all about Instagram. It's all yeah. about like the filters and like this and like Twitter and Snapchat and everything. And filters. The filters. <laughs> the filters. <laughs> like, like I remember like, oh my, like the amount like of money people spend buying new filters is really, oh my gosh. really crazy. I didn't, but, I didn't know there was a filter market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like there's, there's a really big it's filter really market. It's really because like with snapchat gen y gen z yeah <laughs> you can like buy like ma- like does that like i know like definitely at state like for student body elections like, oh yeah you can buy like, your filters yeah, yeah. i bought a filter for the women in event last year yeah like yeah. people like yeah. buy them and they'll have like little designs and yeah. it'll be like sometimes it'll be their picture and stuff but i guess it's like with social media is like do you think it pl- like the role it definitely has it plays a really big role in activism today i think it depends think it, on the platform yeah too. like does it yeah. help or hinder more i think on twitter in some it definitely helps because a lot of people that wouldn't be engaged as politically like as they are it's because of twitter like mm-hmm. you know the tweets that are like tweet like a girl and like the door and like all those relatable yeah. accounts i think a lot of people found their um like oh this is actually wrong like when like they read like it in very like layman's terms and then like you start to go on like I recently have been, like, really interested in, like, socialism, and I definitely uh-huh. wouldn't have been, like, without Twitter, I think. So I think, like, a lot of movements find their place there. But then, like, platforms like Instagram, like, you're, it's not political, yeah. very clearly. But then even then, I mean, with Twitter, it's also, like, it's also not great at times because you're just you're just following accounts that agree with you. Yeah. And then there's just a back. Yeah. yeah. There's the issue of, like, echo chambers yeah, versus exactly. infighting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And a lot of discourse becomes very, like, nitpicky and... Yeah, but um, I would say yeah that you like the amount of people I know my age and younger who are interested in politics is staggering. I feel like compared to, um, at least past generations, the ability to feel informed and fully engaged. Like Mm -hmm. I mean, the youth have always led movements everywhere, but um, But the ability to like really say like I'm interested in this and be able to do something about it and be able mm-hmm. to find resources that get you involved is a lot higher. So I, I think that... Um, I think like, there's so many distractions. Amazing youth activists now. I think we also are given a lot more opportunity to really like think about ideas that might have just been in the back of people's heads in previous generations. Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely... It's like a very... The, like the conversation is not very clear-cut in terms of yes, it helps, or no, it doesn't. Because on the one hand, like you guys have been saying, like, it gives you so many more resources and it's so much easier to um, to find information about the things you want to do. But on the other hand, too, it's like, okay, you read one statement. It's like it gets into this whole like conversation, too, about like, quote unquote, fake news. Because yeah. like you're a lot of people see stuff on social media and take it at face value without doing their own research. Um, 
So that can become harmful when you see one side of a story. Um, and yeah, just I think social media does that definitely a lot. Well, I think we're going to go to break and come back in a little bit. This has been um, Oak City Move. We'll be back after some music. You're listening to 88.1 WKNC. WKNC. That song you just heard was called Manic Pixie Dream Girl by Furnace. And before that, you heard Annie's a Witch by Level Up. My name's Sarah. My name's Janae. And you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. So today we have Ashna here with us. Is it Eshna or Ashna? Ashna. Ashna. Okay. Third option. Third option. <laughs> None of the above. Um, but yeah, so she is a youth advocate for women in C. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that for people who are just tuning in? Um, so Women in C is a nonprofit women's rights organization. We are focused in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, our two main goals in general are the passing of the CEDA ordinance in Durham. So CEDA stands for the Cities for the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. And then the second thing that big thing that Women in C does is um, our fellowship program where we have fellows from local universities, typically UNC Chapel Hill, NC State, Meredith, and Duke, and they do research for about six months, and then they present their research at the um, UN's CSW conference annually. So what research things have they been focusing on this year? So this year they did a lot about um, women of color and the discrimination that they face, specifically in Durham, Mm -hmm. um, when regarding housing, and then we did a lot about the wage gap, and then there was one person, she did her research on making feminism more accessible to rural North Carolina, which was really interesting. That's awesome. Because yeah. we talked to, a couple of weeks ago, someone from an organization called Farm Her. Oh, yeah. And she, that, that organization was kind of just, like, promoting women's role in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what, like, it was yeah. definitely a conversation we had with her as well, kind of talking about how, like... The misconceptions mm-hmm. of, like, people from rural areas as, like, uneducated. Yeah, yeah. Especially on social issues. Yeah, because definitely even within people that like are quote unquote liberal or, you know, think that they're very educated, they still come with these like prejudices. Yeah, prejudices and like biases Mm -hmm. against people that they don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we were talking a little bit over the break about like, and even before the break, we talked a little bit about like social media and how it's influenced activism, but we've also been talking about how it's going to shape politics going forward. So, what was kind of the points that you guys were making? Um, not necessarily tied to women in C, but we were just talking about how fascinating it is that in a couple generations, like, you know, when there's like a scandal during a presidential election where it's like, <gasps> like, that's going to be impossible because there's going to be so much dirt via social media on literally anyone who can run for any form of office, um, whether it be like, like sexually explicit or like problematic in terms of like racism or like offensive jokes like there's just going to be so many things to pull up so easily on people that it's going to be like a non-issue of finding it and like what that's going to do to shaping the political process because right now like candidate purity like that like i would say like donald trump and like also like bill clinton have been like the biggest like (gasps) in terms of like scandal like 
what is scandal gonna mean in a little while yeah, yeah. i think too like with the establishment of things like wikileaks i feel like it, things regarding like scandals regarding political candidates stuff like that is just going to get a lot deeper than because like like you said like it's going to be so accessible to see like people's pasts from when they were younger and stuff like that that that's going to become an issue but i think that in turn is going to make it turn towards yeah. things like, like getting like really deep stuff yeah. um like there's like, going to be no hiding anything yeah and it's going to be too hard to cover everything i was just thinking about like all the things that would come out about me and i think that the most embarrassing <laughs> thing would be the number of pictures of starbucks that i posted oh, in seventh grade or nail polish i posted a lot of pictures of nail polish either that or the fact that i dm'd edward snowden on twitter like those oh, are my please two. tell that story um, um i love that story <laughs> so my sophomore year we were doing a project in govpol and we were in my government politics class and we were like doing all these different things for i think what was it faction no not factions what was it that we were doing um we were making we had to like uh like mm, what's the word when you lobby like we were like lobbying yeah. for like a certain issue and so we made these like cool like twitters and all this stuff and then i was just thinking about edward snowden and so i dm'd him and i like, was like hey like i've been having a really bad day and i was just talking about like my <sighs> life and like all this stuff and then i was talking about how um i had a friend and she was my really good friend and um i had written an essay about how much i loved edward snowden and i had emailed it to her and i was just telling edward snowden about the essay that i wrote about him and he responded <gasps> Whoa. He's, he's verified on Twitter, yeah. so I know it's him. He's like, it was very funny. I love oh that you're gosh. like, you can always pull out like at a party or whatever. Yeah. Like you've gotten like, like friend oh, yeah. and boy advice from Edward Snowden. Yeah, like, like definitely like those like icebreakers yeah. that they do. I mean, if That's anyone an listening fact. doesn't know who Edward Snowden is, do you want to like give? Yeah, clearly you know. <laughs> clearly yeah. you know who he is. Yeah. Um, an essay about him. I mean, like, he um, was this guy. He, like, essentially went against the U.S. government and, like, found out, like, all this dirt yeah. about the government and then defected, like, where... Yeah, he the, defected to Russia and yeah. still lives there now. He's, like, he has yeah. a lot to do with, like, WikiLeaks. Yeah, that's... That, that's what, yeah. like, that train of thought. Yeah. But, like, yeah, just, like, essentially finding out a lot of dirt There's the a video on YouTube, like, an interview he did with John Oliver about how there's 10 different ways for the government to access, like, your information. Like, if you Snapchat it, email it, text it, call about it, like, there's 10 different ways they got all of that. Like, not just, like, one way that they got all of the things like that you've done, but, I think, 10 ways. Yeah, so according to the interwebs, he used to work for the CIA and was, like, a contractor for the U.S. government. And so he copied and leaked classified information from the NSA in 2013 and then essentially, yeah, just defected to Russia. Um, so I have, quote-unquote... Edward Snowden said, next time try inviting your friend for coffee. I suppose some people don't like essays. Philistines write. And I think that's the greatest advice. I've ever <gasps> oh my gosh. So I guess shout out to Edward Snowden for giving some good advice. Honestly. I mean, yeah, this is totally gone off from women. And yeah. But like, I think these are important conversations <laughs> to talk about. But just like, there are a lot of talks about, you know, it's like, okay, well, like nationalism and you and I were talking about like, yeah national price like that so like nationalism over like quote like doing what you think is morally right so like some people would argue that like what Snowden did was yeah like a breach of loyalty to his country but not only that it was there was a lot of talk about the hypocrisy that it was that he didn't think the government should have that information but for a long period of time I think he had that information on him yeah until he destroyed it slash sent it on to different news publications mm -hmm. but that was like a whole part about how if the government shouldn't have it, he shouldn't have copied it himself. Yeah. 
So it just, yeah, it just gets into that a lot. And then I was watching this movie recently called The Post. Um, yeah, yeah, they, and they, they kind of get into yeah, that it was as well. For yeah, Meryl Streep yeah, was in it yeah, and Tom Hanks, then, but they. It was like during the Vietnam War, and yeah. like the government had like all this information about how like the war like wasn't going to end, and like even though they were saying like they were trying to get out of it and stuff, and like the newspaper found out about. It. So it's just like what, like what people or like citizens have, like what duty they have to their country in terms of loyalty, but then also what duty they have to the citizens. Yeah, to like for them to know and stuff like that. And it gets really blurry and really interesting. But I mean, I think in the end, he started a conversation that we really needed to have regardless. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah, just we're we're going off on a lot of things. my best friend. But (laughs) yeah. um, But yeah, so I guess what advice would you give to people that are in school right now or, you know, because we talked a little bit before about like the Florida shootings and yeah. like that, like being a powerful person, even though you're like younger, you might like mm-hmm. are perceived as not knowing a lot. Um, what advice would you give to other people your age about um, that? One time somebody said to me, they said, your life is different, at least a little bit from somebody else's. So everything you have to say is going to be a little bit different than what everyone else has to say at the very least. Like, I think everyone is very different, but even if like you think that like your thoughts aren't original or important, they are because you've experienced something no one else has. So I think that no matter what, it's your job to say what you think because you owe it to yourself. Yeah. And so not to change subject, but there was someone that is called. I wasn't able to pick up the phone real quick, but if you want to call back, you can. It's 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400. We always encourage people to, you know, give us their two cents on what we're talking about. So feel free to call back person who was calling before or anybody else that wants to call. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess what is the future looking like for you? Like how like you and I were talking over the break, how you um, you want to study like journalism and computer yes. science, right? Yes. So how do those two intersect? for you um well i would like to hopefully run my own website maybe one day or work for an organization regardless i think journalism is all online these days and it's Mm -hmm. changing constantly so i think computer science would help me with everything Mm -hmm. that i'd like to say and i have a lot to say (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and then within i guess like so so within higher education i feel like there's like a certain list of majors that people think like oh these things are related to social justice and that's it yeah. So what, I guess, would you say to that being someone who isn't doing like doing, a traditional like yeah. social justice major? Well, I think that every skill you have can be applied to making the world better. Like, you know, anything you do. I mean, also, it can also be applied to making the world worse. Like we saw what Einstein <laughs> did during World War II. Um, no offense. Um, yeah. And I'm here to brag on Ashna for a second for being a great writer who I Thank think you. will benefit Um the masses by being able to share her story and share her voice. Um, Thank you. I've peer edited a lot of essays <laughs> in my day. Um, and I'm very proud to see what you have to say, especially when you're going to school um, in New York and going to be yeah, um, in a very political. All right. Do you have anything to say? <laughs> That's all. Thank you. All right. Um, well, we are going to sign off. You have been listening to the Oak City Move. My name's Janae. My co-host's name is Sarah. She's on the phone. Um, this has been Ashna talking to us about Women in C. Thank you. All right. Um, back to the music. Thank you. <laughs>